Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where we read all of the chapters from Shonen Jump and also something else. And then we talk about that manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. It's awkward every time, Kevin. Last time on video games was not awkward from the first time. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm I, not good at intros. I don't know either. So yeah, this week we read a bunch of Shonen Jump and then also Hunter Hunter. Yeah. Because we're both big Hunter Hunter fans. Uh, there was a lot of Shonen Jump first because of all the new chapters. So starting next week, we are going to pare down like we did at the start of the year. And we are going to pick eight different series that we are going to talk about every single week. And then we will pick two more on an individual level every week. Because 19 chapters is too many to talk about. Yeah. We don't really have enough time. Oh, I mean, we could talk about manga for three hours, but I'd rather not edit that. Yeah, that is the most honest thing any podcaster has ever said. So, But since we have a ton this week, shall we jump right into it? Let's do it. So we will start with One Piece Chapter 945, Olin, which starts with some sweet splash art to promote the new One Piece movie that's coming out. Uh, it was the movie. Yeah. It's going to have Trafficker Law in it and Boa Hancock, and I like those guys. And Sabo, probably. Probably. One Piece movies are actually pretty good, I think, to make up for how bad the anime is, generally speaking. Yeah, I really liked, was Will of Z the last one? or the That gold? was a couple of ago, I think. But yeah, those were both good. It was the, what was the gold one with a guy it's who just, could control gold? It's just called gold. What was gold? Okay, there you go. That one was really good. I like Zoro used his no sword technique on somebody. It was just pretty great. They were like, ha, I've disarmed you. And he's like, yeah, I have planned for this. So anyway, One Piece this week, pretty good chapter, especially in contrast to last week. Everything was above average this week, but nothing really blew my socks off. So it's kind of, I have weird feelings on everything. I I had a couple of chapters I really didn't like, and I thought everything else was pretty good. But anyway, One Piece is always pretty good. And this one we have Trafficker has found his crew who has been kidnapped by Hawkins. Yep. But he's like, you have to surrender because I have used weird blood magic. And if I die, instead, one of them will die. Well, he's using his straw man powers. Like we've seen his ability to he can essentially carry dolls of other people inside his own body. And if he takes lethal damage, the doll dies instead. Have we seen this before? I believe you. But One Piece is 945 chapters long. Yeah, he did it when he was getting attacked by, I think it was Kizaru. He got shot and then like a couple of dolls fell out and like a couple of subordinates fell over. Gotcha. That makes sense. Also, we see Dogstorm and Kinemon begging Eshura, who is the like Robin Hood thief character. I guess there's a different Robin Hood character who just died, but yep. the other thief to help them. And he's like, hey, I, no, I want to show you something, though, so you understand why. Yep. And also the Straw Hats are continuing their fight. Nothing super exciting this week, but it's still cool. Yeah. The cliffhanger is kind of lame this week because it's Big Mom actually showing up and punching out Queen, which isn't like bad, but it feels like the same cliffhanger we got last time to me. Pretty much. We do find out that Queen has eaten the Bronchiosaurus devil fruit. Yes. He's got Bronto powers. Yes. And I think it's Chopper is the one speculating since... Big Mom has lost her memory. She's probably not as vicious as she normally would be. And then we proceed to see her just slamming. Karate chop a brontosaurus. Yep. Through the ground. 
which is pretty good. Straw Hats vs. Dinosaurs should have happened sooner than chapter 945, I think. Yeah. But because it's pretty good. But again, this chapter left me not cold, but like it was pretty cool. I'm excited for the next chapter, but there wasn't anything in it that meant like, oh yeah, One Piece is the greatest. Yeah. And I had kind of similar feelings about Samurai 8, Chapter 5, Departure, which kind of was missing a bunch of the emotional stuff I like in Samurai 8. It's basically just one big fight scene. And a lot of the ideas in it are really cool. And it's the first time I've really felt the art in Samurai 8 has been really good. Yeah. But it, like, again, didn't super impress me. It was just some cool fight stuff. And basically, we see that the samurai can use their mounts. I can't remember what they're called. I should have written it down. Holders. Yeah, they're holders. They can just, like, manipulate them in a bunch of ways. They can turn them into, like, a sword or at one point turns them into guns and just start shooting a thing. Yep, and then he also turns them into shields to block a bunch of projectiles. And the art is really cool on the transformation, so it is a pretty cool chapter. I like the energy it had, but it was basically just a fight scene with no consequence to show off these powers. Yeah. So it's still pretty cool. Samurai 8 is a weird series for me right now, only five chapters in. I'm very hot and cold on it. I had a little bit of confusion at the end. So we learned that the cat samurai, because I forget what his name is supposed to be. I should have written it down, but I did not. So he drew a bone handle from his holder. And that's what you put your samurai soul onto to create their cool sword. Oh, yeah. Also, you take your soul out of your body. Very Shaman King-esque. Yep. And that's your samurai soul, and you put it in things to make them stronger, obviously. Yep, so he uses it as his sword, and he's talking to Hayataro, or no, Hachimaro. Hayataro's the holder. Hayataro is not a key holder until you have a bone handle, like, that I'll give you, like this one, and he just proceeds to pull one out of Hayataro, and I was just very confused. I was like, I thought there was going to be, like, we have to go get one, or you have to do something to get one. Not like, no, he's not a true key holder. Well... He is. You just haven't opened him yet. Yeah, it was like, it's not, I was not confused. It just seemed like kind of like, this is what our quest and training is going to be. Oh, wait, never mind. Here's the key. Yeah, uh, that's that's more what confused me. I thought it was going to be, so I thought he was just going, unless he grabbed his own bone handle and handed it over. And I was like, you need to learn how to use this. But it just seemed to me like he was, he said, Hayataro is not a key holder because he doesn't have. You got it wrong. It's, it is. Man, now I can't think of it. Hachimaru. No, Hachimaru is the samurai. Yeah, Hachimaru is the kid. Yeah, Hayataro is the 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 dog dog holder. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, so Hayataro is not a true key holder until he has his bone handle, which he had all along. So why was he not a true key holder then? Like, uh, just that's what confused me. Yeah, like I said, the fight scenes were cool, but the rest of it just didn't really impress me. And that is part of it, too. It just, to me, seemed more like an anticlimax than, yeah, like a point of confusion. But yeah, so that was really what I wanted to say about that. And that brings us to My Hero Academia, Chapter 231, Path, which also seemed like a pretty nothing transitory chapter after kind of something similar last week to me. There is some cool stuff. In particular, we see Hawks for the first time in a while. Yep. And if you only hear about My Hero Academia through the anime in this podcast. You haven't seen Hawks yet. True. He's going after Best Genus, I presume, who's missing a lung. Yep. Although that's left pretty ambiguous. And then the rest is just, the twice is being like, hey, the, the earlier is probably in that tower. Let's get to that tower. 
Yep. And then the Twices get to that tower. I do love there's one sequence, and this is still a joke from the last time with the Twices just saying a bunch of things. Yeah, that is all pretty good humor. And I just, I, my one of my favorite jokes was one of them going, my arm is broken. And like, just, that was that was really funny. Just like all the Twices are saying something. One guy in the background is probably like, my arm is broken. Did you have anything else to say about my hair, Academia? No. I'm excited to see how the monarch is going to deal with twice. Because <laughs> I was going to say, a really good transition is that, speaking of things that I just found really funny, Beast Children Chapter 3, the Beast's Children, had this gag in the middle where there's this, you know, there's an anime sports guy who's super into sports and passion who gets taken to the principal's office, and he just to be scolded along with Sakura. And so he's just like, hey, hold this string, and he bungee jumps with it. And Sakura manages to hold the string up, but it snaps because it's just string. Yep. And I don't know why. That was the funniest goddamn thing in the world to me, the way that joke played out. I enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't find it super amusing, but I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, so overall, I like this chapter of Beast Children a lot more than last week's. It's kind of more cliche isn't quite the word I want to use. Wrote, I'll use, even though it means the same thing. That's more what I mean. It felt like more like the sports manga we were reading a couple months ago. Yeah. With this character in particular, feels like he could be right out of them. And we find out that Sakura got sent to this school basically because the rugby player he looked up to, Iki, had coached them all before his death. Yeah. And so they're kind of like his last disciples. Yeah. And so Iki's son was kind of like, that will be the best proving ground for him. If he can't make it there, he can't make it in rugby. Yeah. Also, the team we found out is super quirky and unfocused without their star player, who is Shin Jujira, who is said super quirky sports guy. Yep. Who is like the team is all built around him and they're a super well-oiled death machine of rugby point scoring. Yes. With him, but without him, they're just kind of a Nothing. group of people. Not even a group of people. Like, there's one person who literally just kind of spaces out and was, like, just standing there. So, like, they literally become... They go from the worst rugby team ever to the best. And I did kind of like... It was not a great joke, but I did kind of like... So, Sakura's watching the game, and then the guy shows up, and Sakura's like, how did I beat you here? Well, I had to take a huge dump. Ah, uh, yeah. That didn't one did not do nearly as much for me as the string breaking. Yeah. But... No, I... It wasn't super funny. I just thought it was... That was a pretty funny joke of him being like, oh, yeah, I had to take a huge dump. So speaking of no humor, next we have Chainsaw Man Chapter 25, Ghost Snake Chainsaw. Yeah. So I'm sensing you didn't super love this one. No. Is it the consequences or the chapter itself? Because it felt over super fast. And I was like, is this one of those 14 page chapters? But it's not. It's a full chapter. A little oh. bit of both. Gotcha. And also, going super quickly is usually a compliment, but here it seemed like just not much happened, despite something kind of really important happening. Yeah. Which is Captain Eyepatch, who I will use your name for her now that she's gone, decides to give up her body to save Aki. Yeah. And we get her kind of reasoning why. And basically, she gives she tells her devil, which is like a ghost, that it can have all of her yep. if it does it because it's reluctant to. And so she just like disappears one body part at a time until it's just her clothes. Yep. And then a hand, which I think is her, pulls Denji's ripcord so he can chainsaw demon. Yeah. And that's pretty much all that happens this chapter. Yeah. And the weird woman that picked up the sword demon devil thing can summon a snake. And that's what killed 
the ghost that Captain Eyepatch had a hold of. And it was really just the kind of like, Captain Eyepatch is gone. But I was just starting to like her as a character. I kind of wonder if she'll stick around in a weird, twisty way. Like, Chainsaw Man's killing a lot of characters, so there has to be something going on. Yeah, and if that happens, I'll be cool with it. But this just had the huge downer moment of like, so they just like killing all the interesting characters that I like. (laughs) And it's going to be like, hey, look, it's Denji doing stuff or fighting for all these people who died. But I I want the people who died to not be dead. Like, I definitely agree. Like, if Makima's dead, I'm kind of done with this series in a weird way. I shouldn't say it that definitively. It could still, like, pull up, but... Yeah, that's just what I mean. They're losing a lot of the interesting characters, and it just doesn't have... It didn't have that much of an emotional impact to me, because I I hadn't formed that great of a connection with her. I was, like, just starting to not... Just starting to like her. Not like, oh, this is one of... I really like this character, and then they die in some... And, I mean, this was a very heroic sacrifice type deal, so it wasn't like her death was pointless. It was just... It felt... Hollow? Hollow and early. Yeah, like, I if agree this had happened, you. If this had happened later, after we got more stuff about her, and, like, more interaction between her and Aki and Denji, then I would have felt better about it. I mean, I, I never like it when characters die, but I understand... That that needs to happen sometimes. So this one, like you said, felt really hollow. Yeah, it's not like if Estelle died in Last Sayuki where I would be screaming. Yeah, that would be bad. But Chainsaw Man's trying to move at a quicker pace and it just it's really weird. Chainsaw Man is really inconsistent and we seem to be on another kind of weird downturn in it. Speaking of things I think are a downer, next we have Tokyo Shinobi Squad Chapter 2, Shinobi's Creed. I wanted to, I meant to make an Assassin's Creed joke there, but I forgot to, so. Yeah. Are you on my side with this now? You don't sound super excited to talk about it, or do you just not want to hear me dump on it? No, it it wasn't that great, and <laughs> I I still have some hopes for the setting, and hopefully it'll pick up. I'm not going to... The big thing is that I'm I'm more disappointed in it and not disliking it. Yeah, this is kind of a nothing chapter, right? We've kind yeah. of talked about the Shonen Jump formula in air quotes, where the first one is the pilot and then the second chapter is like a solo adventure. Yeah. But this feels so similar to the first chapter to me. Like yeah. a very similar fight with very similar stakes. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It was more disappointing than the fact that I disliked it. So I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it's not like I didn't I didn't hate it and I didn't want to stop reading it. But it's one of those all right, well, I'll keep reading it. I'll keep reading it for the podcast. But this is probably one of the ones that's going to go up on the chopping block, at least for the time being. Oh, almost certainly. The thing about that, though, is that to me, two chapters in, it's kind of the new Neolation to me, and that I find it super interesting to dissect, even though I don't like it. Like, I'm really trying to figure out the character, like, how the author is trying to make us sympathize with Jin. And in a lot of weird ways, I think this like author, like I'm projecting intent on him, which you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. He seems like a young guy to me that like, he seems like Jeremy in his twenties and I hate him because of that. Gotcha. Like, you know, he's got this real downer look. Like I talked last week about the light xenophobia of, yeah, we connected Japan to everywhere and it just brought us crime. Yeah. And in this one, Jin like gets a senator talks to him and he's like, we want to hire you. He's like, nah, man, the government sucks. They can't do anything. That won't solve any problems. Also, I hate criminals. And it's just like, okay, but the, this isn't a solution to anything. 
Yeah. And like, if you look at this on a metaphorical level, this is just like a young 20 something who thinks he knows better than everything, which I guess is an interesting character if that's what he's doing on purpose, but it doesn't seem to be. Yeah. Well, and if he tries to make him, so make Jin see the error of his ways throughout the story, that could be a pretty interesting story, but I'm a little apprehensive. So it'll be one of those ones that I'll read and just kind of like, all right, so I'm just going to keep reading through it and hopefully it will pick up. Hopefully. Yeah, the big problem with me is in talking with that senator, he, in air quotes, pulls a prank on him where he, like, destroys a Jackson Pollock painting and, like, runs away from him. And I'm just like, how is this supposed to make me like Jin? I thought he just, I thought he didn't destroy the Jackson Pollock. I thought he just, like, twisted it in the frame. Maybe. But, like, even so, like, how does that, like, this immature action make me like Jin? Yeah. Like, because that guy didn't do anything to him. He just tried to hire him. And it's there's a difference between in the first chapter, it's like, yeah, Jin only does the jobs he wants. And, like, there's a difference between that and, like, Jin just actively antagonizes his would-be employers. Yeah. That just, like I said, I really don't like Tokyo Shinobi Squad, but, like, I do find it interesting. Like, in, like, a let's study how not to do this sort yeah. of way. Which brings us to the opposite, which is Food Wars Chapter 314, The Perfect Rocks. What did you think of Food Wars this week, Kevin? You're giving me a blank stare, which is making me feel uncomfortable. Well, it's because I'm actually not looking at anything because yeah. my eyes freaking out. But I'm also just trying to remember exactly what happened in this because I read this a couple of days ago. Yeah, me too. Food Wars is loud and clear to me, though. This is the one where basically we see a bunch of flashbacks kind of from Aaron's grandpa's perspective. Although it's from a bunch of different perspectives. How, he's, how he was like, yeah, like there'd never been two divine tongues back to back. So right after Erina's mom, Mana, like went into despair, I just decided I was going to search out all the talent in the world I could and put it into Totski so that Erina could like sharpen herself more than any cook with the divine tongue before to try to save both of them. And it's basically a bunch of flashbacks, mostly to the grandpa, like being like, oh, I hear your nephews in Italy are really good cooks. They should come to our school. Oh, Alice wants to bring her weird slave friend who's a good cook to Japan. Sounds good to me. Uh, We got to get that Hayagami guy who Zach says we keep getting the name wrong. He's like a spice genius. Yep. I definitely liked the one for Ryu where it was like, I will do everything in my power to get him citizenship. Yeah. Because he was literally, he was like some street bum. And he's like, don't worry, I have connections. I can get that man citizenship. My favorite one, though, is he calls Joichiro. And Joichiro's like, yeah, sure, I guess if you really want it, old man, just don't come crying to me if my son flips the table on her and ends up using her as a stepping stone. Yep. Because, like, we don't really see Joichiro ever be, like, supportive of Soma, even though we know that he is. Yeah, he's taking that kind of distanced approach to parenting where... (laughs) He's not, like, he is supportive, but he's not outwardly so. Well, and he knows that Soma, like, and we see it later in this chapter, too. The thing that motivates him is wanting to compete and be better. Yeah. So he purposely takes an antagonistic role with yeah. Soma. So it's just, like, fun to see him doing the opposite. Yeah. You're like, yeah, my son's going to kick your ass, bro. But <laughs> My son's way better than your granddaughter. Yeah. Which, again, is, like, I said how the chapter ends, because, like, Soma's, like, Aaron out, like, what are you doing? And we see a bunch of flashbacks to all the times she was being haughty at him. He's, like, like that despaired look isn't you. You're the rich bitch. He's always yelling at me about how my cookie's not good enough. And yep. I'm going to slap that rich bitch look back onto your face. Yes, <laughs> that was pretty good. With his new dish, which is 
obviously, because Food Wars is so good at callbacks, a take on the first thing he made Aaron. I was like, yeah, in secret, I've just been like, since you wouldn't say that dish was good, I've just been like trying to perfect it this entire time. So here's my eggs Benedict over rice fit for a queen, yeah. which might be the best dish name ever. It's like, oh, I guess your mom can have some too. Yep. I mean, basically, he was like, this is for you, Aaron. I mean, I guess you can eat some too, because like, I'm supposed to be doing that, but this is for you. Yeah, and I did have a interesting theory on how this would go, where Soma's going to, air quotes, lose this battle, because he's not going to create a dish that hasn't been seen before, but yeah. his, his dish is going to be the catalyst that makes Erina do it. That would make a lot of sense, and that definitely seems to be the track they're taking. I don't know if a time limit was set, but even if there was one, I don't know that... I know fried rice doesn't take that long, and I don't know that Eggs Benedict does either. Though I've never had to make Eggs Benedict before, so... Yeah. Yeah, and they, they made it seem like... Like, nobody was making comments on, like, I can't believe Aaron is not doing anything. I so feel it, like there were some early on. I mean, maybe they, that was last chapter. That but. was the last chapter when they're like, I she started making the soup, but it wasn't like, I can't believe she's waiting for Soma to finish his dish before she even starts cooking. Like, it made it sound like he... Give me five minutes, I'll, I'll whip up perfection. Yeah. Anyway, I really liked Food Wars this no, week, yeah, which is really why good. it stuck out so much to me. Which brings us to Demon Slayer Chapter 161, Flapping Butterfly Wings, which is, like, I always say Demon Slayer is pretty average shonen because it's kind of my measuring stick now for average shonen in a weird way. Gotcha. Uh, but this does at least have one great line, which is, if hell doesn't exist, I'll create it for you. Yeah, Because the Upper really Moon good. 2 is like, yeah, Hell and Heaven are just things humans made up because they're kind of bitches, so they need things to look forward to and excuses for to make up bad things that are going to happen to greedy people. Yep. And that is a good response to that. Yeah. I definitely liked Inosuke being like, if hell doesn't exist, I'll make one for you. Uh, and like I said, I feel like it was above average chapter of Demon Slayer because Inosuke's fighting, but also the girl, whose name I don't know who's there, Yep, gets in a blow. I don't remember what her name is. And I we speaking of that, uh, the Upper Moon 2's name is Doma. We hear it in this one. Anyway, he eventually is like, oh, man, my boss is going to get super mad at me for, like, playing around with you guys, even though I want to. So I'm just going to make a bunch of ice clones. Peace out. Well, he makes the one ice clone and they're struggling against it. And he's like, hmm, this is actually a good idea. Maybe I'll make more of these things and use them to fight the rest of the Demon Slayers. But as he's leaving, we see his face falls off, presumably because he got poisoned by the girl. Or he's getting poisoned because I don't know if it was the girl or if it was the one that he had eaten. Earlier, that could be too. So it might be that she's poisoning him from the poisoning inside. Him from the inside, yeah. That would also make a lot of sense, but it's cliffhanger. So I took it as he got poisoned during the fight. But I suppose the one blow we saw the girl try, he clearly got out of the way of. So yeah, well, and she uses the flower technique, and I believe, like you said, some of the faces look similar. But I think these two are like related, so it's really bad. But I believe it was the the one that he'd eaten earlier. We see a like a shot of her face during those final, those last couple of pages. And that's what made me think maybe it's her poisoning him from the inside. All right. So I just realized I didn't take notes on double Taisei. So you want to do it now? Sure. Yeah. Double Taisei this week, huh? Yeah, it, it w- happened. Was it like frustrating for you that like the thing you were interested in gets brought up here, but even the guy who knows doesn't know? Yes. So basically, we see Haga from before, and he's like, hey, did I push you, or did you fall? I honestly don't know, and it's driving me crazy, or I'm already crazy, and that's why I don't know. Or I just tried to make an, an excuse because I did push you, and I'm trying to make myself feel better, and I honestly don't know. Yeah, then 
that was a little disappointing because it was like I thought it was going to be so I thought it was the way he he was Haga was initially thinking I was going to grab your shoulder and stop you like hey pay attention to me but accidentally bumped you but he's like I don't know if that's what I wished I had happened and I wished it so hard that that's the only thing I can remember so it just seems kind of disappointing it was like so we're not even going to figure out if you did it or not yeah it's been at least not until like say comes back I guess yeah. And then also he loses another Shogi match and we don't really know why this time. Because again, his opponent's like, oh man, this guy's a genius. No, you can't see the record of the game. Yeah. And we and don't see the game. So it's like not a time limit thing again, but... And actually it sounded like it was a time limit thing. Maybe. Because he was like, all I did was play defensively and won. Like he just kept... It sounded like Ty just kept coming up with new strategies to kill the guy. But like he... Oh, I, th- no, I should do it this way. And then he'd go through that and be like, oh, wait, no, I should do it this way. And so his opponent's just watching him come up with, oh, he'll get me in 50 moves. Oh, he'll get me in 40 moves. Oh, he'll get me in 30 moves now. But he just keeps like coming up with new ways of doing it. So it it's like, oh, he just reset. That does make sense. And it also makes sense that a time limit would be this guy's problem when in the past he's literally had all night to make one move every time. Yeah, and he even talks about that. He's like, I'm not used to playing on a time limit. Yeah, it, it just seemed I'm like a to... weird second loss to happen, yeah. especially since we don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, so double tie say super weird. Yeah. It sounds like you've kind of lost your interest in it. Yeah, the one thing I was really interested in, they kind of just like... Eh, right up in the air. Yeah, it's like, oh, well... Oh. I mean, it, it's one thing if you throw it up in the air and like tie something else back in that would hook me again, but they were just kind of like, I'm interested in this thing. So essentially, they dangled the hook and then just pulled the hook out of the water. Yeah, it's like, oh, I mean, to me, it seems like they're kind of waving the the fly, like, hey, we know this is a, th- a thing, but yeah, at the same time, that's not much better. Yeah. So moving on to something that I think we're both very excited about, or at least I am. Next, we have the last Sayuki chapter fifteen, Wish Upon a Star Part One. Yeah, and that part bad. one is the only bad part of this entire chapter. Yeah. Because this is an Estelle-focused chapter, and I like this girl a lot. Yeah. Basically, if we find out that her mom would always tell her scary stories, and she thought like her mom hated her, but it was just part of opening up her mood so she could do the killing the disease inside her thing. Yep. And like she's super obsessed with Magical Lin Lin because she put on the outfit once, and her mom's like, oh, you look really pretty in that. Yeah, well, she was she really liked it. Got I think her mom got her the costume. Yeah. And she put it on. She was like, wow, you look really pretty in that. So then she started wearing, she like wore it to school one day and everyone made fun of her. But she's like, but my mom says I look pretty in it. So like, that's why that's her kind of like totem that she uses to inspire confidence in herself. Like my mom liked me in this outfit. Therefore, I'm strong. Not just the fact that I look up to Lin Lin as a character. So then she and Rianosuke get in an argument because Rianosuke is like, okay, we have to go find Furuka because we need to find out as much as we can and he knew what was going on yeah he probably knows more about this monster and estelle's like uh no i'm a goddamn superhero i've got to go save people yep because estelle is the hero we deserve and then so they basically argue and like rinosuke's like look i play a big game but literally i'm only here because i want to be with my sister yep like that's all i care about and like if we just go fighting them there's the chance that she gets hurt and i'm not gonna take that risk yeah and estelle's like okay thanks bye Yep. She goes off and then Kohaku kind of convinces Ryanosuke. She's like, well, come on now. 
you're not the kind of person who would leave her alone. And she's like, yeah, and also, like, you're doing this for me, but I also, like, don't want to leave her alone. So yeah. let's go save her. Then that's maybe the one part of the chapter that I didn't super like, that he has to go save her, but it is set up super well. Yeah. And so she gets, and also it makes sense because these are disease monsters like we talked about, and that's, like, kind of her biggest fear. Yep. And there's so much, like, fear metaphor going on in this story. It yeah. does make a lot of sense she wouldn't be able to beat him. And so then this the chapter cliffhanger is basically Kohaku being like, yeah, I think I can share my power with her. And Rinosuke having to kiss her in order to, like, establish the link. Yep. And hell yeah, I am here for that. Yeah, that was that was really cool with the whole... Like, lightning bolt kiss? The lightning bolt kiss and the fact that he's like, I'll, I shall grant you some of my power to defeat your demons. Yeah, but also, like, uh, cause, like, I, like, a little afraid. Like, oh, maybe this is how the awful thing we know is going to happen happens. Yeah, so it was it was very cool, and I definitely like the idea that even though Ryunosuke is going to be helping her, it's not, I'm here to save the day and defeat the demon for you, Yeah, it's, I'm here to help you defeat your own demons. Like, everybody needs a little bit of help, but I'm not here to be the white knight and come kill the monster and ride off with the princess yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I, oh, at least, I think you're being a little generous to this, but also I think Last Sayuki's earned it. Yeah. It's very good. It it seems like it's not just going to be, oh, hey, I'm here to fight. Like, he still might fight the monster with her, but he didn't just show up and immediately Nyobu from off panel yeah. into the thing, killing it instantly, being like, don't worry, Estelle, I saved you. Like, he's like, I'm here to give you a power up so that we can fight it together. Which brings us to another pretty good chapter, which is Promise Neverland 137, Conversion. At least I liked it a lot more than the last couple of Promised Neverland chapters, since we have forward movement. Yeah. Also, it starts with Ray turning into a super old man and baby Emma slapping him and yelling, Wake up, Grandpa! Yep. I've liked the last couple of... That's true, more than me. More than me. So I'm I'm still liking it about the same. Like, I've still really liked it. Like, the forward movement, I think, is just what it needed, in my opinion. Yeah. Which it has. And basically a bunch of babble about Emma being like, hey, remember when we were kids and we could thought anything was possible? Well, like, by being a kid, I realized we can probably control time here. Like, time is obviously weird here. Yep. And they were talking about, they mentioned that the desert, like, the reason that they were walking through a desert is because Ray thought that the Tenri was going to be through a vast wasteland. And when he thought of that, he thought of a desert. So it appeared so they're like we kind of get to control like the space responds to our thoughts so if we can believe hard enough we can rewind time yeah so then they like kind of by believing hard enough turn the room around them into just like a grid like it's very tron-esque or yeah it's hard to explain it makes a lot of sense when you're looking at the art yes but they're in vr that's i don't think that's literally what's happening but it has very much that aesthetic. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. And also, there's just like a black hole they find there. And I'm not sure what's up with that. Yeah, it's a black hole inside a series of cubes. And at first, they think it's like, they're, they're like, oh, there's a weird spot of darkness in this box. And then the box starts like shifting to be, I kind of always, that's how a lot of things resolve like multi-dimensional things it kind of starts looking like to me like it's like this is a cube and then you start seeing it kind of start to generate additional dimensions and the spot of darkness becomes a black hole and that's that's the cliffhanger yeah that's actually not the cliffhanger though you're correct 
because we cut off the Norman who's got an army. He's like, hey, time to march on that demon capital, yo. Yeah. That is the cliffhanger of the Ray and Emma yeah, portion true. of the story. And I forgot about... <laughs> you forgot about Norman I... leading a fucking Game of Thrones army to fight demons? That's For, fair. I think what I had done was put that before this. Before That's, this. Fair. That's fair. But no, we just cut off to Norman, who has an army and is ready to do some sieging. Yep, he's like, time to storm the capital. Which, to be fair, the Emma and Ray cliffhanger is probably the more interesting one. But yeah. I do think the Norman one is more powerful. Yeah. Because uh, he is moving his plants a lot faster than I thought he was going to. Yep. Which brings us to the last thing we read for this week that we're going to talk about anyway. We Never Learned Chapter 114. The Clockwork Fireflies Yearned for the Snow Flurries of X. Did this have weird seasonal problems to you, Kevin? Not really, because they've done this before. It seems to me like he's not trying to put all of his seasonal things in the correct season. Like He's like, here's my idea for a Christmas episode. Here's my idea for a beach episode, even though it comes out in like November or you know something like that. Like It comes out in not in beach season okay, in so- Japan. Okay, so here's my big problem with this chapter. It's Christmas. The snow's coming down. And the plot is basically all the girls put on sexy Santa uniforms. Yeah. The problem is it's 90 goddamn degrees while I'm reading this chapter, and those suits look so hot, like warm, not sexy, that it's distracting from like the entire thing. I'm just like, God, those have to be sweltering, which does not like super hurt the chapter, but it was distracting the entire time. Yeah. So I, I didn't have that for me because I like I kind of distanced myself from, you know, so for me, it was just, oh, it's Christmas in Japan, even though it's like hot in here. You know what I mean? Like I can enjoy a beach episode in the middle of winter. Sure. But like, that's the worst thing. Like, oh, I'm so cold. Oh, it's warm there. This is like, oh, God, those Santas, they must be so sweaty in those Santa suits, which is definitely not what I'm supposed to be thinking. But it's Christmas for a reason, actually, which is because college entrance exams are in a month. So we're kind of moving the plot along. Yeah. And I think that's more of the main reason for this is like he's got his established timeline of when events are happening. So he's like, well, now's about the time for this. Like we're getting close to the maybe not necessarily the end of the manga, but definitely the end of this major arc where it's like they've been working at these entrance exams basically since the start. Yeah. So anyway, they're at Ogata's Udon shop, or I guess her family's Udon shop, and she's in a Santa uniform to help out. Yep. And Furuhashi is like, oh, yeah, I always put it on this time of year, too, to help. And so Erika uh, also puts one on. So they're all in Santa suits studying. Yep. They're all very sexy because this is we never learn. Yes. Ogata goes upstairs because they're all, I guess, handmade uniforms, and she needs to fix hers a little bit. Yep. But like. A little kid has grabbed the string and her skirt's slowly coming undone as Yu-Gi-Oh follows her. Yep. I think he's the one who's actually going to fix it because yeah, he's good at home ex stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think something something happens to Ogata's and he's like, oh, I can patch that up. No problem. Yeah. But then like as he's going up the stairs, her skirt's getting shorter and shorter because the kid has the string. Yep. And I liked it. First, he's like, wait, was her skirt always that short? And then, oh, no, <laughs> you've caught a thread somewhere. Like he doesn't think it's a little kid yeah. pulling on it. Which the little kid is like, I found this string and I just keep pulling on it and just more string keeps <laughs> showing up. And his mom's there and is like, his mom should probably be like, stop pulling on the string. As someone anyway. who lives in the service, lives in the service industry, going with it. Moms are often terrible. Sometimes they're fine. Often they're terrible. Yeah. So anyway, Yugiya ends up in Ogata's room. And she's like, yeah, my grandma made all these. She like really liked making stuff. Also, every Christmas she'd send me these homemade games she made. Yep. 
character development. Although I guess it's less development and more reveal. Similar yeah. with Furuhashi's desire to be an astronomer. And the reason for it. Yeah. And then it has a super, super ha- sad ending where Ogata's like, man, why do you guys all like try to help me and stuff? Yeah. And Yugi's like, well, because we're your friends and we like you, dummy. Also, we get some stuff about how Ogata and Furuhashi first became friends, which is cute. Yeah. Um, And she's like, oh, you, you like me too, Yugi? He's like, oh, but I don't like myself. Yeah, that was... And I'm like, God, God damn it, we never learned. You're supposed to be my fun, happy time. I mean, it was fun, happy times until <laughs> it's time. It's time, uh, But that's what makes that gut punch of the well, character yeah, reveal. Look, it, it, it was going to go pretty low on the list until then. So I can't... Like, it made me feel things. Yeah. It made me put a frowny face in my notes. I never put emojis in my notes. I mean, but you've got to build up yeah. the, the tension so that when you push them off the cliff, they've got way farther you, to You fall. have to have lots of sexy Santa suits so that you can feel really guilty at the end yeah. when you're sad. So, yeah, I mean, it's some we never learn, like, presumably this is going to be a the start of, like, an Ogata arc. It's kind of yeah. weird because it was not called part one or anything. Yeah. But maybe just because there's not going to be Christmas times next time. Yeah. This is going to be Ogata times. Or maybe he's finally getting away from naming his arcs part one, part two, part three. Uh, I can only dream of it. I mean, he didn't do it this time, so. I can only dream of it. So yeah, that about does it for Shannon Jump this week. Like I said, a much better week than last week, I thought, even though nothing really blew me away. But we'll discuss that more in Jump Card. So Jump Card is the segment where we rank everything in Shonen Jump from worst to best, and we talk about all the stuff we didn't read, which is less than half of it. So, yeah. What do you got at, the, at number 18, Kevin? At number 18, I have Chainsaw Man. Really? That low? Mine's, it's pretty low on me, too. My list, too. But I liked some of... So, the one of the main reasons is I liked some of the other stuff a bit more this week that I normally put towards the bottom. Totally fair. Me, too. Also, the loss of Captain Eyepatch this early and that hollow thing is like, I do not mind. Like, I, I never like you didn't having fi- a character death. It's not like Ogata at the end where you feel like awful and you want her to be better. Yeah. yeah it's, you just feel like, oh, I guess that character's dead. Yeah. And it's again, it's different for a uh, character death like Ogata and her feeling bad. It's like, all right. So this is like this is that gut punch to get you into a new arc where we're going to make Ogata feel better about herself. I like that, even though I feel bad about it. And there are character deaths that it's like, I realize that I'm supposed to feel sad and I'm feeling bad. And that is the purpose of this. But this character death just felt kind of hollow. And it was just kind of more like, oh, that character's dead now. Oh, man. I was just starting to like her. As opposed to, I can't believe that person died. That's such an emotional blow. On the bottom of Haikyuu, because it was boring to read. Chainsaw Man wasn't boring, even if it didn't evoke the emotions it was supposed to. Gotcha. I have Tokyo Shinobi at number 17. Hey, so do I. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't, 
It was very aggressively mediocre. Thank you, guy who left that comment. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good comment for it right now. I hope it picks up. Like I said, when I rated it a little bit higher the first time, like the setting seems super cool. So I hope something comes out of it. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just a really cool setting and the story is going to be aggressively mediocre. What do you have at number 16? I have double tie say at number 16. Hey, me too also. Yep. Yeah, just because it was like some of the stuff's okay, but like there's not really a huge hook here. I don't really like any of the characters three chapters in or care about the stakes because it seems like this guy can lose an infinite number of shogi games and still be going into the pro circuit. Yeah, it seems very weird. And it's like, he's a genius at shogi, but we don't get, we have people explaining it. Like, we don't get much of an explanation of why he lost. Like, we have to assume it was because of time and not, like, even if it was just the the referee being like, time's up, the winner is this guy. That would have been enough of a thing of like, oh, he got timed out again. But we just have to assume that's what happened. Like, nobody actually ever says why he lost. Unlike in the first game that he lost where they're like he ran out of time because he wasn't used to having time limits on his game yeah like now he should know yeah well and even now he should know it's like well it still takes time to adapt your game if you're used to having as much time as you need in order to win you think differently than having a time limit like i noticed that even i played warhammer 40k and when i was doing uh, tournament practice two and a half hours versus like the normal four hour game is a huge difference in how you approach everything like you have to start thinking of things efficiency things you can't all right it'll take me like a hundred moves to get this guy but it's going to be this beautiful glorious death like nope just go for the throat and take him out now so my number 15 was beast children i'm i'm just not a big sports manga fan and this seemed very just yep here's the quirky group of athletes that are going to be the sports manga team to victory See, I put Beast Children very, very high this week because I really like that string joke. And yeah. like this like quirky character, it's pretty rote, but at least Beast Children has a direction now. So I hooked into it a lot more. Uh, at number 15, though, I have Chainsaw Man, which we've already discussed. Yep. I At least it was a cool fight or had some like cool ideas in it. And like the drawings of Captain the Eyepatch slowly disappearing are cool. Yeah, so it, it, it went a bit higher than other stuff, but yeah, for me, it was really just the consequences of her dying that really drove it yeah. down. Basically, everything above Chainsaw Man, I actually quite liked. So, yep. So for number fourteen, I have Yui Kamiyo. I like this more than I normally do. I yeah, thought it... it's exploring interesting territory, right? Yes. Like I think if we didn't have a ton to read, this is something we might have chosen to highlight. In fact, I'm sure I would have, probably given the other stuff. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. No worries. So we have. More of an exploration of the fact that Yui and Black and Yui and White are different people. And Yui and White was like aware of Yui and Black in the back of her mind kind of thing. She was like, I knew there was like another side to me. Yeah, it's like addressing a lot of the questions you had last week. Yes. Um, that you didn't expect to address it because like, Yui Kimio is often not good at that. Yeah. But that like makes it much more interesting. Uh, I put it a bit higher than you. But also, I thought the humor really worked this week. And Yui Kamiyo, I like it sometimes, but I feel like the humor is super inconsistent. Yeah. But I think it was an on week this week. I don't know if you felt the same way. I'm still not a huge fan of the humor. So I definitely liked it more than previous weeks. But I think a lot of that was because it was addressing a lot of those issues that I had thought were very weird. It was like, okay, that kind of like brings that into light. And I'm (laughs) like, I recognize them as jokes, but it's not like. 
oh, this had me rolling on the floor laughing. Not that they did for you, but yeah, they, it didn't get chuckles out of me, essentially. Like, I, I recognize that as a joke of like, yeah, that that's funny. Yeah, it, it didn't make me laugh, but I recognize that that's supposed to be funny. And it seems like it's laying some foundation. Like, these are characters that could come back. These are yeah. at least ideas worth exploring. Yeah. At number 14, I actually put My Hero Academia because I feel like everything was kind of above average this week. Except for My Hero, which is a pretty average My Hero chapter. Okay. That's just transition-y. It felt really weird putting it so low. But, like, it didn't impress me. And it wasn't bad. But everything else, like, seemed like it was going the extra mile this week. I got you. To a degree. Number 13. Not quite as much. But they were close. Yep. So, my number 13 was Jujutsu Kaisen. It was kind of interesting fight stuff going on. But not... Not a whole lot going on in it. Yeah, it's weird that I put it higher than you, because I agree with your assessment. But I guess it just, the art stuck out to be more than normal. My number 13, Samurai 8, for similar reasons. The ideas there are cool, mm-hmm. but it is just fight. It didn't make me feel anything. And maybe that's why I put Jujutsu Kaisen higher, because we have the death of those brothers that are clearly like yeah. emoting. Uh, and we have the third brother kind of lurking in the shadows. So yep. it worked a little better. Yep. So my number twelve was Haikyuu. I I just liked this chapter a little bit more with the it was really kind of just the turn at the end of the ace being like, so I've spent, you know, this entire year learning to trust my teammates, but right now I need to learn to trust myself. Like, even though I am the team's ace, I've always been hard on myself. And I just kinda liked that of him kind of realizing before this I felt like everyone had put me on a pedestal, like oh man, you're so good. Oh man, you're so amazing. And so anytime I fail, I feel like I'm failing everybody. And I just need to be more confident in myself and learn how to trust myself as well as being able to trust my teammates. See, the problem I'm really getting with Haikyuu is it does have good stuff like that. This one didn't speak to me at all. Last week's did though, which is why I put it higher than you. This volleyball game is taking for goddamn ever because every chapter has to be about a player realizing some profound truth. And it feels like we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Which I guess is frustrating to me. At number 12, I have Dr. Stone. I was actually expecting it to go higher than I put it, you put it this week. There's just some gotcha game jokes in this that really got to me. No, is and actually most of that. That was one of the things I liked about it, too. Where you're like, oh, man, if one person could have survived the attack, we would have wanted like an SSR character like Ryosuke or his butler. Instead, we got this chump. Yep. The most common of common. And I liked the little, they gave everybody like little like Like card powers. art? Yeah. Which Not really, just card art, but, but like, like effects. Also, yeah, also For effects. this game that doesn't exist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a very nice touch. Yeah, and like Ryanosuke was like, draw five <laughs> cards or something like that. Yeah. Versus Ginyu. Yeah, Ginyu, Ginyu. was, uh, destroy this card after the end of the turn it was put into play. Yep. Yeah, and it was just, <laughs> it was very good. And then Melonhead, what's her name? Yeah, I don't know her name either, but, uh, but she has she, very cute card art. Yes, and she's also an SSR because <laughs> yeah. she's amazing at hiding. Yeah, and that's the other thing we found is that she also survived. Yep, because Ryusei uh, kicked her off the boat. Yeah. Because he was trying to be like, uh, go warn Senku, something's happening. Well, and he's also like, it looks like a grenade, so it probably has a radius. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was very good. So we got a little bit off topic. So my number 11? Yeah. Yep. Uh, my number 11 was Black Clover. Was, again, some more 
fight stuff. We have a very cool ending panel of... We get some transformations for both Yuno and Asta, which yes. both look pretty cool. Yes. They didn't do much for me, though, unfortunately. Like, the, the design is very cool. It didn't have that emotional impact you want a transformation to have. Yeah. Like, I guess Gear Second doesn't either, and that's one of my favorite transformations. But that's also got that weird backfilling of Luffy being like, hey, I trained super hard, and this is the result. And also Gear Second mirrors the opponents he's facing then. Yeah. So it's got a lot going on there. And I, I felt like the reveal was a lot better. The Yuno thing was kind of cool because we haven't ever seen it before. But Asta's, we've seen his black form before. And I was like, so how is this any different? Bigger sword. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how is this different than his black sword? Like, again, the Luffy's Gear Second reveal was very cool where it was like, I've been watching you guys and... So some of the stuff I'm doing was based on, like, because you kicked my butt so hard, I realized that I needed to get stronger, so I started learning from you. Yeah. At 11, I have Jujutsu Kaisen, for similar reasons to why you have Black Clover there. Yep. I have Dr. Stone at number 10. Gotcha. I don't need to say much more about it. Like, I like the gotcha card thing. Yeah, it's a good gag, and, like, yeah. the art on it really makes it move. At number 10, I have Yui Kamiyo, because... Like I want to like Yui Kamiyo, I think, and mm-hmm. so I want to reward it when it does well, because this is definitely the best chapter of Yui Kamiyo so far. I think we can agree on that at the very yeah. least. Number nine, I have Samurai 8. I Even though I was a little bit, like, I had that moment of confusion at the end, I really liked the fight scenes, and I definitely liked the, now time to activate my samurai sword, and he just reaches into his body, and it's not like his body opens up, he, like, punches a hole in his stomach and pulls his soul out, and is like, time to fight! It is a strong panel. At number nine, I have Black Clover. Okay. Number eight, I have Act Age. We do have some cool, some really cool stuff going on with Act Age. We do. There's the one panel in here, and like, this is a thing that's got to happen, but basically, Kanagi's rival, Chiyose, is method acting, basically. Yep. But they treat it as a shonen anime reveal. Like, oh, this technique, it's method acting. And like that made me laugh maybe even harder than the Beast Children thing, but I didn't I didn't feel like I was laughing with it. It's not supposed to be a joke. Yeah. I was act laughing at this ridiculous thing, which is no more ridiculous than in any other anime or manga. And I put Act Age higher than you. So it's not a huge detractor. Yeah. But like having read it a couple days ago now, since we're recording later than normal, uh, that's the thing that sticks out to me about this chapter is that oh, it's method acting. I also liked so K's rival, Chi... I can't... Chi something, but I cannot remember. Yeah. Her mom had crafted her to be a copy of the guy that K's working with. Yeah. Tried to, like, get that charisma. Yeah. And when she was talking with her partner, he's like, but that's impossible. Like, you can't force that kind of charisma. And she's like, yep. So that's why I'm an imperfect copy of him. Yeah. I mean, if I did like it, I put it higher than you. But like I said, from a distance that, like, and, like, it's not any dumber than anything else in Shonen anime. I think it's just not over the top. She's literally just method acting. Yep. And so treating it that way, like, giving it that grandioseness, just, like, you see how absurd it is. Well, and one of the other big things about Act Age is, yes, it's got that kind of Shonen reveal. She's method acting, but it's also the guy realizing, like, oh, she's method acting. That means that she also has to risk getting stuck in her roles. Yeah. Like, and it's really bad for method acting because you literally adopt another persona as opposed to for normal acting where you're like, you're thinking, how should this person act? 
in method acting, you become that other person. And it's I, like he's concerned for her that she's like she's going to try too hard and lose herself in the role. Yeah. At number eight, I have One Piece because, you know, One Piece is pretty good shown and stuff. But again, it wasn't anything special for One Piece. So, again, it felt like the cliffhanger is very similar in particular. And that's one of One Piece's biggest strengths. And there weren't any reveals, just setups. So, yep. it goes towards the middle. It was my number seven. So. Oh, Akage is my number seven. So, yep. we just flipped there. Yep. I didn't have much, anything else to say on Me either. than we did earlier. My number six, six was Demon Slayer. Hey, mine too. Yeah, because it really, was above average. It was better than One Piece this week. Yeah. That that if there is no hell, I'll create one for you is great, and the cliffhanger is great. Yes, very fun chapter. My number five was We Never Learned. Hey, mine too. I really liked the. I didn't have the. Oh God, those women must be so hot because I was. I can just kind of. Ah, it's cold over there. That's why they're wearing. It's almost Christmas time. It's time for Santa outfits. And then that gut punch at the end was just kind of like, oh, next week's gonna be good. Yeah, exactly. My number. Four. four was my hero sorry my hero. okay much higher than me yes much higher than you some of it was the twice joke with just like i broke my arm and then i'm really interested in the hawks going to attack best genus because he he got told by dobby before dobby got pulled into this thing that's like all right since you're trying to join the league of villains how about you take out some a-class material yeah like not number one but yeah someone go, up there yeah go take out take out an A-class hero, so he's like, I'll go fight Best Genus. He's only got one kidney. One lung. One lung, you're right. And we don't actually know, because we know he's trying to fake his way into the League of Villains, like he's kind of like double-aging it. Yeah. Agenting it. So I'm wondering how he's going to deal with this. Yeah. Like, is he actually going to kill Best Genus? Or I kind of doubt it. I doubt it as well, but at the same time, I'm like, I really wonder what he's going to do. So I was very interested in that. I really liked the joke. And I'm really interested to see what the Monarch is going to do now that it seems like twice and one clone have made it up the elevator. Yeah. I mean, clear he can make more probably, but I'm just very interested to see what's going to go on with that. So that's why I went quite a bit higher for me. I put Beast Children at number four because that joke in it was funnier than anything. We never learn. <laughs> that's basically what it comes down to. Yep. So my number three was The Promised Neverland. Mine too. I wonder if our lists are identical going up. It seems likely. Probably. So it was just a really good chapter of Promised Neverland. I really liked the kind of like, oh, this place is made up of our thoughts. So if we can concentrate enough, we can control it. And that's how we can overcome space and time. And so they do that reverse time and they like... I think what they do is they turn the room back to the way it was before they showed up. Yeah. The way it's supposed to be. And they're like, oh, what's this weird black hole thing? And then, like you said, for whatever reason, I had put the Norman is like, all right, we're going to go invade the capital before this. But that's also very interesting of Norman being like, all right, time to put my plans in motion. Even though I told them and Ray I was going to wait a little bit. Like, I need to put them in motion now because they might screw this up for me. Yeah. But I don't I don't want to. Like, they're still my friends, so I don't want to actively try and stop them from doing what they're doing. Instead, I'm just going to accelerate my plans so that it'll be like, oh, no, sorry, things spiraled out of control and I had to go attack. Yeah, I'll be able to make it up or, you know, they will, I won't be able to fool them because they're smart and I'll say, yeah, I did it. Yeah, but either way, it'll be like, well, I didn't have any faith in you. So not I didn't have any faith in you, but it's like I thought you had been deceived. 
because even beforehand, Emma is still very naive. Yeah. So he's like, I thought you had been deceived and like I needed to do things my way because that's that's what happened when he escaped. He was like, no, I'm going to give myself up so that everyone can get away. So what do you got? Number two. Number two, I have Food Wars. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that's some good then. Food Wars. I, You know, I love Arena and I like Soma and Arena's relationship. So yep. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. And I love when Food Wars does the deep pulls, like the end of the team show Kageki that like the dish Arena makes is so good. And this is a very similar Paul. Yeah. And the name is perfect. Yeah, the name of the dish. Yeah, the name yeah. of the dish is great. I'm very excited to see the results of it. Like I said, I think it's going to be Soma loses this match to like what he's doing is causing Arena to overcome her own problems. And she's going to help her mother see that not everything is pointless. Which speaking of the team Shokugeki, very similar to the dynamic there. Yep. So number one is the last side Yuki because it's the best thing in Shonen Jump right now. Yeah, it's really solid. I don't know if I have anything else to say about it. It's real good. It's real good. I I don't really have anything else to say about it either. We spent a lot of not a lot of time, but we said a lot when we talked about it and yeah. just really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, last side Yuki buy all their playsets and toys if they make any. <laughs> I hope they do. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I actually want any, but no. I definitely want an anime of this. Yeah. Oh, I'm so open so hard. I mean, if it stays super popular like this, it will probably happen later. Yeah. Well, um, we need like a hundred chapters at least. So. Yeah. The anime, and I've liked that the anime industry has kind of gotten in its head. Seasons. Make seasons. Wait. If you're start, if you get caught up to the manga, just wait. Like <laughs> Hunter Hunter is just over now. <laughs> Sorry. The anime. Yeah. But even then, there was like. That happened in the manga too, like yeah. So it could it could still continue. And, and Hunter Hunter, that is a good ending for it. If like where the where the anime ends, yeah. If, if it has to end, that is a good place to cut it off. Yeah, because honestly, not not that much more happens afterward, even in the manga. I haven't got read Dark Continent because Viz won't put it on ShonenJump.com for some reason. Well, I mean, you that's the stuff you that you were reading. Well, like we were there's reading. A, there's one arc between it, right? No, I thought there was a Dark Continent arc. Where no, they go this over. is this is that oh, is the okay. Dark Continent arc. They're on the whale to go to the Dark Continent. Gotcha. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, there's literally you've you've missed like twenty chapters or something like that. Karapika going. Hmm. Well, <laughs> you've missed a little bit of Karapika, but it's like a lot of setup into the Dark Continent. Gotcha. But really, all you missed up was the some of the setup for the arc. So you haven't missed much. Which is unfortunate, mainly because of the author's poor health. Like, I feel yeah, very bad for him. Me too. He's struggling with it. Because it's like, I have to struggle with the fact that, listen, I really want more of this story because I really like your artwork and your storytelling. But I also understand that you're struggling as a person to do this. And so, I like, I have to struggle with those two sides of me that are like, I want more Hunter Hunter. But then the other side of me is like, but I completely understand why there isn't more Hunter Hunter. Not to make light of what you just said. I just had the thought of why doesn't he just make his wife draw it? Because I would read the hell out of Naoku Takeuchi's Hunter Hunter. Everybody would suddenly have very long legs. <laughs> I I honestly like that's one of the things I like about One Punch Man is that it's one's storytelling with Murata drawing. And it's like, I wouldn't mind that. It would be a huge art shift, but yeah. It would be a very huge art shift, but it's like, at some point, when do you tell yourself, listen, I'm feeling like I can't draw anymore. Well, maybe get your wife to do it. Maybe get someone else someone to do else it. Someone else probably makes more sense. One of your assistants or something. Yeah. But, you know, maybe someone else can do it. Like, like we're having with Samurai 8 right now. Yeah. 
because he can't draw anymore. He couldn't draw at the end of Naruto, and it was clear, but God bless him for trying. Yep, so, you know, still stay creatively involved, but let someone else draw it. It's not that big of a deal. Also, speaking of that, we're going to talk about Hunter Hunter after the break. So we read Hunter Hunter this week and we've built it up a lot. So I guess I'll just start by saying a lot of times I talk about how weird it is that volumes of manga aren't how I expect them to be, especially mm-hmm. compared to American comics. This is kind of a perfect volume of manga, or specifically a perfect volume one. It's it's very good. I like it. In that, like, it introduces you to all the characters, including, like, the main antagonist, or I guess you can argue who the main antagonist of Hunter Hunter is, but a very key one, especially early on. Yeah, he's definitely the main antagonist for the early parts of the manga. It gets you very invested in them by, like, having Karapika and Leario give their, like, motivations, which are both, I think, Karapika's is a little cliche, especially post-Naruto. Yeah. But Liario's is, like, very heartfelt and works very strong. Yeah, although it takes a little while for that piece to come out. At it first does, but comes, it's... It's yeah. very good when it comes out, but at first he's just, I want to become a hunter because that's the best way to make money. And then we kind of learn... Why well, he's so obsessed with money. Yeah, he's like, well, actually, I had a... I kind of don't want to spoil okay. it. Um, no not, not that it's a huge deal, but just that's kind of how I feel about it because it's a powerful moment. And you're right, it does take a while to come out, but it's in this volume. Yes. It, it takes it, a couple of chapters. Yeah. It's chapter six that happens, so. Yeah, and he first talks about his feelings, I think, in chapter two. Chapter two, yeah. And, like, so they start, you have Karapika and Leorio as, like, these super foil characters that are also world building because they have such distinct motivations for being hunters. Yep. that are kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum. There is there's one panel where Karapika just looks off to me and it's one of the very early ones like almost the fir- one of the first times we see him and for whatever reason he doesn't look like Karapika and that it never happens again but I just I remember looking at that panel going what why does he look so weird? Is it because he's in profile and he doesn't know how to draw him there or like what's going on with that? See, I thought Kite in the opening splash looked really weird before the actual series begins. The opening splash, yeah, because he's got those ridiculously long fingers. And this is going to make all the sense in the world. Later in the book, it says that that's a Nyoki Takeuchi water painting that was originally in Shonen Jump as like the color splash. Yeah. And I wish we got to see that in color because I'm sure it looks way better. And also, yeah, Nyoki Takeuchi drew that. That makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I knew. Long spindly fingers. Yep. I knew something was weird. I was like, it looks like he's got extra digits on his hand. So, And in this manga, we get to see uh, the artist draw Sailor Moon very briefly, which is nice mm-hmm. as a tribute. So, yeah, and then it ends on a super good cliffhanger right after we've, like, made you care about these two characters. We put them in danger. Yeah. was the third character we've established as a big threat. Yeah. Plus, you have Yogon and Kilua. Kilua, why can't I not, he's my favorite character in the series. Why can't I not say his name? Yeah, I was like, he's great. Like, they're in a much more vague danger. And, like, the ideas just come at a super rapid pace, too. Yeah. I've seen all the anime of Hunter x Hunter. I have not read any of the manga other than what we've read for this podcast. And the manga is super well-paced because it's one of those first, 
I want to say seasoned anime, but it's not even seasons. It's the manga was mostly done when they did it. Well, it, because the one you watched was probably the, the it was the recent one. Yes. So they not the original where which I imagine is torture. Yeah, they they pulled a Full Metal Alchemist where it's like they rebooted the series when it was near the conclusion of where it is now. Same studio that did Full Metal Alchemist, actually. Yeah, so that makes sense. So they decided, all right, we're going to do it properly this time and like follow the storyline. And I'm really glad, like I said earlier, that anime studios have kind of learned we can just wait. We'll just wait and make sure that we have enough content to make a season and then wait until the next season. Because when we try and write our own stories... Even if they're good, because they diverge from the source material, people get upset about it. And they're like, well, I don't want to watch season three. Like, I don't want to watch anymore because you've got all this divergent stuff that didn't happen in the manga. Or maybe the manga has a really cool twist that now you can't put in because you did something else with that character. Yeah. But my point was that the Hunter Hunter anime has a really good pace to it. Yes. So I was surprised that I feel like the manga has an even better pace to it. Uh, because when I went back and read My Hero Academia, I didn't feel that way. I feel like the anime and the manga are paced about the same, with one minor exception. Yeah, although I feel like the My Hero pacing is good. Not yeah. as good as this, but good. Yeah, well, like when I went back to the manga, it wasn't like, oh, this is even better. There was one instance where I think the anime just takes a little too long to get to a point, just because anime by its nature is longer. Yeah, but that's a very specific detail. Whereas like this is so rapid fire, it's going through stuff so quickly. It's just throwing idea after idea at you. And I had read this beforehand, but I had forgotten that it was paced this way because, I, again, I the most recent thing. Actually, I had read the manga most recently, but I would rewatched the anime again. So I think I watched the anime, read the manga, rewatched the anime. I like it that much. And so I was used to that. And for whatever reason, I was like, wow, the, the manga volume one went farther than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Very much to its compliment. Like, I thought it was going to take longer for whatever reason, and it didn't. I was like, oh, this is... It didn't leave anything... I didn't feel like anything got left out, even from the anime to the manga adaptation. Like, obviously, there were, like, little things that the anime did to extend scenes and stuff like that, but it didn't feel like anything was left out. It felt like more that was the anime embellishing things. Yeah, one of the first times I heard about Hunter x Hunter was... A old Comics Alliance writer said that Yu Yu Hakusho is the most shonen anime that ever existed, and then Hunter x Hunter is even more shonen than that. And as a huge Yu Yu Hakusho fan, I kind of didn't take offense to that because I knew it was the same guy mm-hmm. and a lot of the same ideas. But even when I read watched the Hunter x Hunter anime, which is really really good, I was like, yeah, but I don't like it as much as Yu Yu Hakusho. But going to back to the manga, I can see why it's better. Like yep. you can tell this is this guy's third time doing a weekly manga, and he's got it down to a science. Yep. In a way that doesn't feel cold or anything. Like, those character relationships come to the fore even faster than in Yu Yu Hakusho. Oh, which makes sense, because part of the point of Yu Yu Hakusho is how masculinity gets in the way of friendship yeah. in some dumb ways. Whereas this is about a more pure, childlike friendship between Killua and Gon. Yep. And then Karapika and Leorio have a more, like, slower burn friendship. But also, they pretty quickly get to each other's cores. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't really have much to say specifically. Really, really good. Hisoka's design is super weird to me in this. I don't know if he settles down in the manga or if it's just a weird manga to anime thing. He just looks very fluid in a way that fits the character, but is not what I expect of him. Yeah, I still really like it. Like you said, he seems very fluid, but that totally fits his character. Like, like I feel Especially like it... when you consider what his power is later on. Yep. That makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and it just, it's 
very well done. I like a lot of the character designs in this. Um, like I said, there was the one panel of looking at Karapika in profile, and I was just like, that doesn't look like Karapika. But then everything else, it was like, all right, these are very cool character designs. I like, even though Leorio is just dude in a suit, like it's it's very well done. Yeah, Gon looks a lot older than I expect him to in manga, which I think is just like a slight change. I w- I'll talk more about that when we rank him on Jump Card, mm-hmm. but he kind of feels older and wiser here in a lot of ways. And I think part of that is just because the anime accents his childish antics a bit more. And yeah. I also, I don't know this for sure, but I suspect him hanging out with Killua also accents them yeah. in a way that we don't get a ton of in this first volume. Killua tends to bring out the moral child in him because it's like, finally, somebody I can have like have fun with. Yeah. Whereas like Leorio weirdly brings out the more mature side of him. Yep. Which is a cool dynamic. Uh, Hunter Hunter's really good. If you hadn't figured it out from just me talking about it. Yep. And I don't really know that I have a ton more to say about it. I think you're just trying to avoid spoilers as much as possible. It, that, it's definitely that to a degree. But, like, there's a certain amount of, like, just the way I am as a critic. When something's bad, like, say, Tokyo Shinobi Squad, I can see all the points in it. When something's, like, as on point as this, it's a lot harder to just, like, talk about the craft of it. It's hard for me to harder for me to explain why something is good than why something is bad. Yep. And there's also a lot of element of just read it like (laughs) you know i could sit here and go through a plot summary of the entire thing but then that kind of cheapens the moment it's like go read it unfortunately hunter hunter is not one of the titles that you can read on viz for free which i don't understand but yeah that was very weird because i was like i'm pretty sure it was part of their digital vault and maybe it'll come back at one point but i was like i'm pretty sure i was reading digital chapters of it and here i know it no I don't know if I was reading digital chapters of it or I was reading digital chapters of Shonen Jump of it. I think that that might have been the case. I think it might have jumped off of Shonen Jump before they went to... On, yeah, it did jump off of Shonen Jump okay. before they went to that site. It's just weird that it wasn't backfilled when there's so much on there, like Dragon Ball Z and Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, and they're still adding stuff to it, so maybe maybe they will be at some point, or maybe it's a weird thing with the artist where he didn't want it. He didn't want his backlog on the digital art. You know, who knows? Yeah, one thing I thought of while you were just talking about the plot summary and stuff, I guess one weakness of Hunter Hunter is it's hard to explain to someone what it's about if they're not getting into it. Because yeah. I think the character is a lot more exciting than the plot. And even the plot is like, they're taking a job interview, basically. It's a fantasy job interview. Yeah, and it's it's good, but it's not it's not the main selling point. No, not at all. Like, it, same as with the Yu Hakusho. show. He's just really good at... Not even characters, but character relationships specifically, mm-hmm. which is why I think a lot of characters are going to suffer a little bit when we get to Jump Card, assuming we read more Hunter Hunter. Is that like Gon and Killua are great, but like Gon or Killua by themselves? Something? Yeah. 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 Same with Hisoka, who's the second best evil clown in comics. Yeah. Because he's evil murder Goku if he was the Joker. Yes. But also a little bit Gambit, just a little bit. And super flamboyant. Oh, yes. Ahsoka's very good. I like. I might like Ahsoka more than Killua. I don't know. He's super solid. And one of the things I like about really good stories are the good villains. Yeah. And Ahsoka's like got shown an anime villain down to a science because he's not an arc villain. He never goes away. Yeah. And also, but like he never needs to because his goals are so adjacent to Gon. 
And in most situations, like his tertiary goal is keep going alive. Yep. And like he's always willing to abandon that for the like primary and secondary goal. So there's always the threat of that. Yep. But also like he doesn't oppose Gon, which is super interesting for a antagonist because yep. he's kind of not an antagonist. He's just an evil bastard. Yeah, he's like you said, he's not very antagonistic most of the time at all, except for when he's very murder horny. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Hisoka's great. Doesn't come off that much in this volume. No, because we meet cause him. They're setting up for him. They ser- they're setting up for him, and we meet him kind of late. Yeah. We meet him in like chapter six. Yeah. Or set maybe five. I think it's yeah five or six. That sounds right. I think we meet him in five. He but disappears. Th- a guy's arms. Yep. Which I like. It was cool shot in the the manga, but it was just like in the manga. It was just like suddenly the guy's arms were gone. I definitely yeah. like in the anime where they had it like disappear in like. Uh, it wasn't just clovers. It was like I think it's cards, like or clubs specifically. It might have been clubs, but I thought it might have been a mixture of all of those symbols, like just it, pink symbols of the guy's arms disappearing slowly. It's a super early episode, so I don't really remember. But. Neither do I. But I just remember I remember his arms, like they actually showed them disintegrating, and it looked very cool. Yeah, and even Kilua being like, "I need to be careful of that guy." Yeah. Uh oh, that that's a murder clown. My big brother warned me about murder clowns. Yep. Yeah, I don't know that I have anything else to say about Hunter Hunter. Yeah, very solid. Go read it. Go watch it if you don't want to read it. Yeah, uh, it's all on Crunchyroll. Yep, watch the reboot, not the first one. Yeah, so definitely. The 2011 version. I, I haven't seen the first one, but it seems like it's probably painful. Hey, speaking of that, just real quick, super weird to me that Kite's not in that first episode of the anime when he's here in the manga. Yeah. Because Kite in the anime kind of felt like he came out of nowhere to me. So it was a super weird surprise to me. Like, no, he was clearly in the plans from the beginning because he shows up in chapter one. Yep. And we have that flashback. Yeah, we do. In the anime. So that that was a weird creative decision. Yeah, it just like the plotting on him feels so much tighter. And I feel like I would have been more excited to see him back, maybe even more on board with the entire Chimera Ant arc if that had happened. And I feel like Gon's connection to him would have felt more real. Yeah, because he... Like, Gon's connection to him is having the knowledge of, I met him when I was a little kid, and, like, I've already had interactions with Kite, so that's why I like him so much. And we just kind of see, like, oh, it's that guy! And then we, like, rumor that flashback was, like, well, that that might have been nice to notice that beforehand, like, before he left, like, in the manga. But It just really colors, like, my entire impression of Gon in a different way, reading it in the manga here, than seeing it 60 episodes into the anime. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's actually all I have to say with about Hunter Hunter. I feel like I've said that six times. Maybe you cut it out. That would make me sound smarter. Eh, probably not. Should we go ahead and rank Goan on personality power level? Yeah. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the top, we have Uzumaki Naruto, everybody's favorite loudmouth ninja. At the bottom, we have that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And boy, do I want to put someone below him just because that's such a mouthful. Yeah. And dead center, we have Asta from Black Clover. So I feel like the character we have to compare Gon to is Goku for a lot of reasons. One being that, especially in the anime, a little less so in the manga, but especially in the anime, I got the impression that the guy was like, you want my series to be more like Dragon Ball Z? Fine, I'm just going to put Goku in it. He's going to be the main character. I have this young wild child who's got super strength and is adept at everything. You happy now? Yeah. Which is taking away from Gon a little bit. He's definitely a different character. He's wiser for one thing and way more childlike in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, 
That said, honestly, I don't know that I can put him above Goku because Goku develops more. He becomes an adult. He gets that Super Saiyan moment. We get to see him as a dad. Even though I like Gon more, I feel like he probably goes below Goku. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Gon gets a lot of development, especially during the Chimerian arc where he really starts losing his chub-like innocence, especially because of the things that happen. So I don't know that I have to, like, that's a tough call to make. It definitely is. And like you said when we were talking about it earlier, a lot of the things that make Hunter Hunter great are the character interactions. So even one of my favorite scenes in the Chimera and arc where Gon is being tested before being brought on the mission. Like, I love that sequence. But one of the things that makes it great is Kilua showing up at the end of it and like the interaction between the two of them. So it's really hard to just be like, right, just separate Gon as a character when it's usually Gon and Kilua. They're like a, they're like a heterosexual life partner group. Yeah, assuming I was gonna say, assuming there's nothing sexual between them, but I'm going to assume that because they're kids. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they they show off more as like best friends. Yes, like, definitely. And because they're but they seem inseparable, which is why it's super weird at the end of the anime they separate. Yeah, but it's it's just the fact that they're like ten, so it's not yeah. weird for two ten year old boys so, to be inseparable. Yeah. So. I, I didn't I mean to imply I'm... anything like that. There yeah. was just a bit in the anime where I was like, are they a couple? They got a lot of couple chemistry going on with Killua being like the smart one and the planner. This actually does make a lot of sense the more I think about it, especially since the only person that can come between them is Killua's sister, apparently. Yep. Anyway, getting off topic, though. I Goku's a really tricky character on the list, even though we reference him a lot. Because he's very inconsistent, but his highs are really, really high. Yep. And, like, the thing is, I I just think of, like, the moment where Goku turns into a Super Saiyan. And, like, does the consistency of a character beat that? And in Gon's case specifically, I don't think it does, since they're so similar. And, like I said, I feel like Goku is a... Like, similar to the debate we had last week a little bit, Goku's had more time to do it all. Yeah. That's a... Gon's been in a lot fewer bad comics. He has. And Gon kind of, he basically had his Super Saiyan moment super late in the manga, essentially. Yeah. Like, well, I feel like it's earlier than Goku still, but talking about that moment, I don't think it works very well. Like, that's, I am not a fan of the Chimera Ant arc, really. Okay. And one of the reasons is I don't, I, I get what they're going at, and there are good bits of it, but I don't think it's particularly strong. Okay. As far as anime transformations go. It's better than, say, the one we just had with Asta and Yuno. Definitely. There's a lot more emotional stake to it. But, like, specifically when I'm comparing that to I am Son Goku and I am a Super Saiyan, it falls short. Yeah, I just, I liked the transformation in that because of the, like... The cost it has. Yeah, the... and, and that's really what it is. Like, them realizing, like, oh, God... What has he done? Like Goku transforming into Super Saiyan of like, I have unlocked a new method of power versus Gon's kind of like, I have given up everything to win this fight kind of yeah. thing. And that's what I like about it. I, I understand what you're saying. And so I could see I could see putting Gon below Goku because he had his moment where he's kind of started to lose his childlike wonder. And I because I haven't read all of Dragon Ball, I keep thinking it's like there's the first couple of chapters of Dragon Ball and then like Dragon Ball Z happens. And so I was like, yeah, Dragon Ball Z, it's not super far into Dragon Ball Z when he has a Super Saiyan moment. And I thought back on it like, well, he had that whole arc of Dragon Ball and then like three more arcs of 
Dragon Ball Z before he happens. So even though it doesn't feel like that much time, it actually took a very long time for it to happen. I feel like Gon and Goku are super, super comparable. So I yeah. feel like he goes right below Goku. That's totally fair. Because um, like I said, I was having trouble. I was on the fence on whether or not to put him above. But he's so. got better relationships. But like, this is not a relationship. <laughs> um, yes. It's weird that we didn't compare him to Yusuke at all. But I definitely don't think he's as good as Yusuke. That probably is a little bit my bias. Yeah. Even though like Go and Kilua friendship better than Yusuke Kuwabara friendship. Like if we're ranking that, which yeah. we aren't. So yeah, we're going to put Gon then at number 15 to below Goku and right above Sakuragi Hanamachi from Slam Dunk. Because like I was figured before we even read this that he was going either right above or right below Goku. Yeah. And my argument was, like I said, obviously below. So yeah, that about does it for this week. Thank you for listening. Again, next week we are going to be paring down to eight series we're talking about every week. So if you have opinions on what we should be reading, you can try to influence us at www.lastpodcast.com. You can leave a comment there on the episode, or you can join our Discord channel and talk to us there. No guarantees we're going to pick what you want, but if you have a say, I'd be happy to hear it. Also, if you have any suggestions for manga, we're doing Shonen Manga all summer, so we still got a couple more months of that, so you can certainly make suggestions there. You can also find my other two podcasts, Last Time on Video Games, a bi-weekly video game show about old video games, and It's a Gundam, where we are watching every episode of Gundam Seed, and by we, I mean me and my friends Zach and Tyler. Kevin's not on that one, except for when he is. Which I am now no longer. You don't have any appearances in the chamber. Yep. If you like this show, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or just tell a friend. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Is there anything you'd like to plug this week, Kevin? What are we reading next week, Jeremy? Oh, that's a good question. If you listen through all that spiel, if you listen through all that spiel, we're reading one of my favorite manga next week, which is Pokemon Adventures, also known as Pokemon Special. But if you want to buy it legally, the official American name is Pokemon Adventures. It's a real good Pokemon manga. That's how I want Pokemon to be always. And like I said, one of my favorite manga. So we will see you next week. I would keep expecting Kevin to say a thing, but he's not good. So nope. bye. <laughs>